Welcome to the Global Watch Prayer Podcast. Thank you for joining us as we build community in prayer to empower the church from local expressions to global connections. For more information and resources on the Global Watch, visit theglobalwatch.com. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. Welcome to the Shabbat for the last day of September. It's Friday, September 30th. I can't believe September has already flown by. But this is one of my favorite watches of the week, which is Shabbat. And we are honored to have Shakar Yurik right from Jerusalem lead us into Shabbat. And she's in a series of teachings about these feast days of the Lord that Israel is presently in. Kar, I'm going to turn it right on over to you. Thank you so much, Sue. It is such a blessing and honor to be with all of you as we are in this precious holy season. We have entered officially 5783 here on the Jewish calendar. And last week I spoke of Yom Teruah, the Feast of Trumpets. Tonight I will speak on the topic of Yom Kippur as Yom Kippur begins on Tuesday night at sundown. And then the following next Friday, at the Shabbat time, I will speak on Sukkot, the Feast of Tabernacles. So what a joy and honor and privilege it is to walk through these Moedim, these holy appointed times and seasons together for such a time as this. Hallelujah. The Lord is positioning us, preparing us for all that he has ahead. And Yom Kippur, as many of is the holiest day of the entire Jewish calendar of the entire Jewish year. And so to begin our time together, let us enter his courts with thanksgiving and praise. Just like last week, we'll hold off, we'll wait for communion and to enter Shabbat until the end of our time together today, so that it will also be an entrance for us into a communion with the Lord and also into consecration and Yom Kippur. And so, with that being said, let's go ahead and be, enter his courts with thanksgiving and praise and allow him to just prepare our hearts. And also let's sing this over Israel as Israel is in this holy season as well, the days of awe, preparing to enter the presence of the king in Yom Kippur. So Suze, would you go ahead and please start the worship? Hallelujah, Yeshua. King of kings and Lord of lords, King of Israel and King of the universe. Barukatat, Sheheki Anu, Vikimanu, Vihigianu, Lazman, Hanze. Blessed are you, Lord our God, King of the universe, who has created us and sustained us, and also Israel, and who has brought us to this season. Yeshua, you are the atoning sacrifice for all. You are the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. You are the gracious redeemer of life. You are the author and the finisher of our salvation and our faith. We welcome you. Baruch haba b'shem Adonai. Blessed is he who comes into the name of the Lord. In the name of the Lord. Holy One of Israel, we welcome your presence. 
We welcome your presence tonight as we enter Shabbat Teshuvah, the Shabbat of return. That the heart of Israel would be turned to you, O Lord our God, in this holy time of repentance. That Israel would stand in awe of your holiness, of your majestic presence, O God, our King. And that your global bride would as well. We honor you, Yeshua, in the beauty of your holiness as we come before you at this moment. In the name of Yeshua, B'Shem Yeshua, men, men, and amen. Hallelujah. Well, I want to begin this time. I'm going to stop my video just because I was already receiving messages that my internet connection is unstable. So just to make sure that you're able to hear me throughout the presentation, and then I will come back on at the end and we will enter Shabbat together with the end with the communion elements. And so I'll let you know when that time comes. But in the meantime, let me turn off my video and start my screen share. Oh, Sue, may I please have permission to share my screen. Okay, all of you should be able to see my screen now. Tonight, as I was mentioning earlier, we're going to focus on Yom Kippur, the Day of Atonement. And just a briefly review from the last time, we talked about God's prophetic timeline and how through the cycle of the biblical holidays, as well as the agricultural cycle, God tells us the story of his redemption. And not only that, he invites us to participate with him in it, to receive it, and also to prophetically enact it and proclaim it. And so what a privilege and honor we have. So we've mentioned in the past about how Pesach or Passover was like a, a Jewish erosine, an engagement ceremony, Shavuot, was the ratification of this engagement, this covenant at Sinai, also marking the beginning of harvest for not only Israel, but the nations. And last week we spoke of Yom Teruah, the Feast of Trumpets, which announces, it, it's a call to battle for the final judgment. It announces the presence of the king and it will herald in the final return also of Yeshua. Tonight, we're talking about Yom Kippur, because when after a final battle and a judgment in order for us to dwell with God forever, which we will celebrate when we enter Sukkot, the Feast of Tabernacles, then in order to do that, we all must come under the blood of the Lamb, the atonement of God. Each Jewish holiday has a past or historical component relating to the people of Israel. It also has a present component that is at living and active in the Jewish people and Messianic Jewish people today and the global bride today. And also it has a prophetic future. And so we'll talk about each of those components as we meet together tonight. So as we know, Yom Kippur, the Day of Atonement, historically was 
the time of the high priestly sin offering. Only once a year would the high priest enter the Holy of Holies. In terms of the end times, as we'll see during tonight's presentation, Yom Kippur marks the time of the ultimate judgment of God over all of sin and death. And we'll see tonight also how this is connected with the red heifer sacrifice, which brings about ultimate messianic healing. And we'll show how throughout all of this, it displays Yeshua as our high priest. At first, let's just take a look at a few of the scriptures that talk about the actual Yom Kippur atonement service in the temple and God's commandments concerning them. On the 10th day of the seventh month, according to Numbers 29, Israel was to observe a sacred occasion when they would practice self-denial, doing no work. And today we see this in the process of, it's a day of typically fasting throughout the land and throughout the world among the Jewish people. And the Lord said to Moses, tell your brothers Aaron that he shall not enter at any time into the holy place inside the veil before the mercy seat, lest he die. For I will appear in the cloud over the mercy seat, Leviticus 16.2. So this was a time also when the very Shekinah glory of God was going to appear over the mercy seat, the very presence of the Holy One of Israel. In Leviticus 16, 7 through 10, we see the presentation of two goats being presented before the Lord at the doorway of the tent of meeting with Aaron casting lots for the two goats. One lot was for the Lord and the other lot was for a scapegoat. Then Aaron shall offer the goat, which is the lot the Lord for which the Lord fell and make it a sin offering. So one of the goats would become a sin offering for the entire nation of Israel. But the goat on which the lot for the scapegoat fell was presented alive before the Lord to make atonement upon it, to send it into the wilderness as the scapegoat. Also in Leviticus 16, Aaron is instructed to put incense on the fire before the Lord, that the cloud of incense would cover the mercy seat that is on the Ark of the Testimony, lest he die. And then he was to take some of the blood of the bull and sprinkle it with his finger on the mercy seat on the east side and in front of the mercy seat, sprinkling some of the blood with his finger seven times. So a cloud of incense covered the mercy seat to ensure that Aaron did not die. As scripture says, no man may see the face of God and live. So this fragrance representing worship and prayer, this incense arose before the throne of God on this day of mercy. And then the mercy seat was sprinkled seven times with the sin offering. Seven representing the number of completion. When he goes in to make atonement in the holy place, no one shall be in the tent of meeting until he comes out, that he may make atonement for himself, for his household, and for all the assembly of Israel, Leviticus 16, 17. It was personal, 
atonement. It was for his family and also for the entire nation. Then he shall slaughter the goat of the sin offering, which is for the people, and bring its blood inside the veil and do with its blood as he did with the blood of the bull, sprinkling it on the mercy seat and in front of the mercy seat. When he finishes atoning for the holy place, the tent of meeting and the altar, he shall offer the live goat. This is the scapegoat. Then Aaron shall lay both of his hands on the head of the live goat and confess over it all the iniquities of the sons of Israel. So this is the picture that we have in scripture. Aaron, the high priest, laying his head on the scapegoat, and there is a confession of all the iniquities of the sons of Israel and all their transgressions in regard to all their sins. And he shall lay them on the head of the goat and send it away into the wilderness by the hand of a man who stands in readiness. So the idea is that the scapegoat receives all of the sins, the transgressions of the, the entire people of Israel, and all of those sins, all of those iniquities and transgressions are carried away. And the goat shall bear on itself all their iniquities to a solitary land, and he shall release the goat in the wilderness. So what was some of the purpose of this Yom Kippur Day of Atonement. First of all, it, does, it showed Israel and it declares to the nation that God is holy. He is just. He doesn't live in the presence of sin. He is also merciful. He provides a way of personal and familial and also corporate atonement and forgiveness of sins. And in his heart and in his provision, our sins are removed far from us. So every year at Yom Kippur, Israel walks through this whole process. And as we know from the New Testament and Yeshua, Hebrews 9.22, without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sins. Leviticus 17, 14, the life of every creature in, is in its blood. So definitely the understanding that the life not only was the scapegoat going into the wilderness, carrying the sins of the people upon him, but there was another goat, which was also being sacrificed, its blood being poured out on behalf of the people. The life of the goat in exchange for the life of the people, God himself providing a substitute atonement. And ultimately, he came himself. Yeshua came and gave his very own life for ultimate atonement. Hebrews 2.17, therefore, he had to be made like his brothers in every respect so that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in the service of God to make propitiation for all the sins of the people. Hebrews 9, 12, he entered once and for all into the holy places, not by means of the blood of goats and calves, but by means of his own blood, thus securing an eternal redemption. Since then, we have 
a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Yeshua, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession, Hebrews 4, 14. And then from Isaiah 53, 4 to 6, surely our griefs he himself bore and our sorrows he carried. He was the scapegoat for us. Yet we ourselves esteemed him stricken, smitten of God and afflicted. But he was pierced through for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquity. The chastening for our well-being fell upon him, and by his scourging, we are healed. We're going to talk more about this healing process later. All of us, like sheep, have gone astray. Each one of us has turned to his own way. But the Lord has caused the iniquity of us all to fall on him. The Holy One of Israel came down in the form of man, became man to present himself as the perfect sinless sacrifice that our atonement would not just be once a year, but it would be forever that we might enter his presence and his kingdom forever. Hallelujah. The Talmud quotes a Berita that states there was a strip of scarlet dyed wool that would be tied to the head of the scapegoat, which would very miraculously turn white in the presence of the crowd that was gathered at the temple on Yom Kippur. When the crowd would see the scarlet dyed wool turn white, the Jewish people perceived that this was a miraculous transformation as a heavenly sign that their sins were indeed forgiven. They were taken on the scapegoat. Also in the Talmud, the rabbis taught that 40 years prior to the destruction of the temple, the lot did not come up in the high priest's right hand, nor did the tongue of scarlet wool become white. So the rabbis did not explain why this miracle of the scarlet wool turning white, which represents purity and cleansing, why that miracle stopped 40 years before the destruction of the temple. But if you subtract 40 years from 70 CE, it is exactly the time when Yeshua became the atoning sacrifice of Israel. This is the blood of my covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. Matthew 26, 28. And Luke 22 specifies this is the new covenant that Yeshua was implementing over the entire nation of Israel and from the Israel to the ends of the earth. I will put my law within them and I will write it on their hearts. I will be their God and they shall be my people. Jeremiah 31, 31 to 34. This is the new covenant. And from Ezekiel 36, 24 to 27, I will sprinkle clean water on you and you will be clean. I will cleanse you from all your impurities and from all your idols. I will give you a new heart, O Israel, and put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you your heart of stone 
and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit in you and move you to follow my decrees and be careful to keep my instructions. Today in Israel, Yom Kippur is a day of holiness. We draw near to the presence of God and we ask, we confess our sins. We ask forgiveness of our sins. We ask for cleansing of our sins. And as part of this, on the night of Yom Kippur, there is a special series of prayers, all vows, in which Israel as an entire nation in every synagogue service prays to God. Now, during this part of the presentation, we're going to become a little bit interactive because I want each one of you to get a feel for how this is prayed within a community setting. This is not just private prayer. It is actually corporate. So I'm going to call on about six of you. And if, when I call your name, if you could please unmute and read the prayers that are on the screen before you. That would be wonderful. Dahlia, could I call on you, please? Would you please read this first series of prayers? Yes. For the sin which we have committed before you under duress or willingly, and for the sin which we have committed before you by hard heartedness. Is that all I'm to read? Oh, please go on. Go ahead okay. and read the whole story. The page. Okay. For the sin which we have committed before you inadvertently, and for the sin which we have committed before you with an utterance of the lips. For the sin which we've committed before you with immorality, and for the sin which we've committed before you openly or secretly. For the sin which we have committed before you with knowledge and with deceit, and for the sin which we've committed before you through speech. And for the sin which we've committed before you by deceiving a fellow man, and for the sin which we have committed before you by improper thoughts. For the sin which we have committed before you by a gathering of lewdness, and for the sin which we have committed before you by verbal insincere confession. Thank you so much. And Melody, would you please unmute yourself and read this screen? Yes, sorry, I just need my glasses. For the sin which we have committed before you by disrespect for parents and teachers, and for the sin which we have committed before you intentionally or unintentionally, for the sin which we have committed before you by using coercion, and for the sin which we have committed before you by desecrating the divine name, for the sin which we have committed before you by impurity, of speech, and for the sin which we have committed before you by foolish talk, for the sin which we have committed before you with the evil inclination, and for the sin which we have committed before you knowingly or unknowingly, for all these, God of pardon us, forgive us, atone for us. Amen. And Hannah, would you please unmute yourself and read this screen? For the sin which we have committed before you by false denial and lying, and for the sin which we have committed before you by bribe-taking or bribe-giving hand, for the sin which we have committed before you by scoffing, and for the sin which we have committed before you by evil talk about another, 
for the sin which we have committed before you in business dealings and for the sin which we have committed before you by eating and drinking, for the sin which we have committed before you by taking or giving interest and by usury, and for the sin which we have committed before you by a haughty demeanor, for the sin which we have committed before you by the prattle of our lips, and for the sin which we have committed before you by a glance of the eye, for the sin which we have committed before you with proud looks, and for the sin which we have committed before you with impudence. For all these, God of pardon, pardon us, forgive us, atone for us. Amen. Amen. And Barry and Brenda, would you mind unmuting yourself and reading this screen, please? Yes, of course. For the sin which we have committed before you by casting off the yoke of heaven, and for the sin which we have committed before you in passing judgment, for the sin which we have committed before you by scheming against a fellow man, and for the sin which we have committed before you by a begrudging eye, for the sin which we have committed before you by frivolity, and for the sin which we have committed before you by obducency, and for the sin which we have committed before you by running to do evil, and for the city, a sin which we have committed before you by tail-bearing, for the sin which we have committed before you by swearing in vain, and for the sin which we have committed before you by careless hatred, causeless hatred, for the sin which we have committed before you by embezzlement, and for the sin which we have committed before you by a confused heart. For all these, God of pardon, pardon us, forgive us, atone for us. Amen. Amen. And Petra, would you mind unmuting yourself and reading this screen for us? Yeah, I can do that. Let me see. And for the sins for which we are obligated to bring a burnt offering, and for the sins for which we are obligated to bring a sin offering, and for the sins for which we are obligated to bring a varying offering according to one's means, and for the sins for which we are obligated to bring a guilt offering for a certain or doubtful trespass, and for the sins for which we incur the penalty of lashing for rebelliousness, and for the sins for which we incur the penalty of 40 lashes, and for the sins for which we incur the penalty of death by the hand of heaven, and for the sins for which we incur the penalty of excision and childlessness, and for the sins of which we incur the penalty of the four forms of capital punishment executed by the court, stoning, burning, decapitation, and strangulation. Amen. Amen. And Marvie, would you please yourself and read this last screen? Yes. For transgress transgressing positive and prohibitory misfought commandments, whether the prohibit whether the prohibitions can be rectified by a specifically prescribed act or not, those of which we are aware and those of which we are not aware, those of which we are 
aware we have already declared them before you and confessed them to you. And those of which we are not aware for you, they are revealed and known as it is stated, the hidden things belong to the Lord our God, but the revealed things are for us and for our children forever, that we may carry out the words of this Torah. For you are the partner of Israel and the forgiver of the tribes of Yeshurun. And every generation and aside from you, we have no king who forgives and pardons. Amen and amen. This is the corporate prayer that is prayed by Israel every Yom Kippur. And as you can see, it is quite thorough. It is a corporate and it is coming before the Holy One of Israel, appealing to his mercy and grace in all things that are unknown and unknown and in every single sin and every single result of sin. After the confession of sin, there is a special song that is sung. It's called Avinu Malkinu, which in Hebrew, it means our father, our king. And in English, the words state, deal with us in righteousness and covenant love, our father, our king. Deal with us in righteousness and covenant love and save us, our father, our king. Be compassionate with us and answer us, for there is no good work in us. So Israel is acknowledging that only through God can mercy be extended and can atonement be made. Yom Kippur, the Torah portion, is from Leviticus chapter 16, and which just describes the regulations. Hold on a second, if I can go back. The Torah portion is from Leviticus chapter 16, and which just describes the regulations for the Yom Kippur sacrifice, which we've already read tonight. The Maftir, which is the extra portion, is from Numbers 29. That also describes the regulations for the Yom Kippur sacrifice, which we've read. The Haftorah portion from the prophets is from Isaiah 57, 14 through Isaiah 58, verse 14. And here are a couple of excerpts that are very significant. And it shall be said, build up, prepare the way, move every obstruction from my people's way. For thus says the one who is high and lifted up, who inhabits eternity, whose name is holy. I dwell in the high and holy place and also with him who is of a contrite and lowly spirit to revive the spirit of the lowly and to revive the heart of the contrite. So God responds to the cries of his people for atonement to dwell among them with the contrite and with those who have a lowly spirit to revive them to revive the spirit, to revive the heart. Also from this Haftorah portion, is this not the fast I choose to loose the bonds of wickedness, to undo the straps of the yoke, to let the oppressed go free and to break every yoke? This sounds exactly like the portion from Isaiah and from Yeshua's first drosh or sermon 
in the book of Luke? It, is it not to share your bread with the hungry and bring the homeless poor into your house when you see the naked to cover him and not to hide yourself from your own flesh? Then shall your light break forth like the dawn and your healing shall spring up speedily. Your righteousness shall go before you. The glory of the Lord shall be your guard. Then you shall call and the Lord will answer. You shall cry and he will say, here I am. Yeah. Yeshua very well may have had this day and this very atonement on his heart when he gave his first drash. Also, in Matthew 25, 31 to 46, in the passage regarding the final judgment, when the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, then he will sit on his glorious throne. Before him will gather all, be gathered all the nations, and he will separate people from one another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. He will place the sheep on his right, but the goats on his left. Then the king will say to those on his right, come, you who are blessed by my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry and you gave me food. I was thirsty and you gave me drink. I was a stranger and you welcomed me. I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison and you came to me. This is exactly from the Yom Kippur service. Then the righteous will answer him saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you drink? And when did we see you a stranger and welcome you or naked and clothe you? And when did we see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king will answer them truly. I say to you, as you did it, to one of the least of these brothers, my brothers, you did it to me. It is traditional on Yom Kippur also to read the book of Jonah, which shares a tremendous testimony of God's heart of mercy towards Israel, that surely is God will be merciful towards Israel, but also that this mercy, this atonement is for the nations. And in Matthew 12, 38 to 45, we see another Yom Kippur reference by Yeshua in the sign of Jonah. Then some of the scribes and Pharisees answered him saying, teacher, we wish to see a sign from you. But he answered them, an evil and adulterous generation seeks for a sign, but no sign will be given to it except the sign of the prophet Jonah. What was the sign of the prophet Jonah? Jonah was eaten by the whale. He, it says he went down into Sheol. This was like a death. And then the fish or the whale vomited him out. He came back to life. It's a picture of death and then resurrection life. This is exactly what Yeshua was going to accomplish. And he was going to have, just like Jonah, a message of repentance and offer atonement, redemption. For as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of the great fish, so will the Son of Man be 
three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. The men of Nineveh will rise up at the judgment with this generation and condemn it, for they repented at the preaching of Jonah. You remember that Jonah, his message was 40 days and the end is coming. Nineveh will be destroyed. Nineveh repented. And this message is also for us today, beloved, as we enter the end times. The times are more urgent than ever. This message of atonement and confession and redemption in Yeshua. This death and resurrection life that he offers is more relevant than ever. The times is drawing near. Yom Kippur is also connected specifically with the red heifer sacrifice. In Numbers 19, it says, For the Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron, saying, This is the statute of the law that has the Lord has commanded. Tell the people of Israel to bring you a red heifer without defect, in which there is no blemish, and on which a yoke has never come. And you shall give it to Eleazar, the priest, and it shall be taken outside the camp and slaughtered before him. And this was slaughtered on the Mount of Olives in Jerusalem. Eleazar, the priest, shall take some of its blood with his finger, sprinkle it, some of its blood toward the front of the tent of meeting seven times, seven again, the same number as the Yom Kippur sacrifice, seven representing the number of completion. This is a complete atonement. And the priest shall take cedar wood and hyssop and scarlet yarn. Again, scarlet representing redemption, the forgiveness of those sins. Hyssop, we know, was lifted to Yeshua's lips. Cedar wood, his cross was made of wood. And throw them into the fire, burning the heifer. And the man who is clean shall gather up the ashes of the heifer and deposit them outside the camp in a clean place, outside the city in a clean place. They shall be kept for the water, for impurity, for the congregation of the people of Israel. It is a sin offering. So the ashes of the red heifer were mixed with water. And this was an offering a mixture for the to cleanse the impurity of the entire congregation of Israel. This will be a lasting ordinance, both for the Israelites and for the foreigners residing among them. Numbers 19, 1 through 10. Not just a one-time sacrifice, but a lasting ordinance. Again, a picture of Yeshua. This red heifer sacrifice has the same seven-day period of preparation of the high priest that the Yom Kippur sacrifice had. It is the only sacrifice to be completed outside of the city walls, outside of the temple. And it involved a sprinkling of holy water, the ashes of the red heifer being mixed with holy water. And these ashes were used specifically for the healing of the nation and purification from leprosy and contact with death. So it's a picture of Yeshua sprinkling us with his blood for the healing of individuals, but also the nation 
of every remnant of sin and death. Yeshua, like the red heifer, was crucified outside the city. Blood and holy water flowed from his side for the sprinkling and healing of the nations and purification from lifelong isolating impurity and death.